in a worship service remembering the earth, coinciding with Earth Day celebrations, as Decanter reflects on the profound spirituality that connects us to God through the beauty of creation and nature. As we move forward as a Christian community, we are called to remember the holy work of building sustainable lives in relationship with the natural world, learning to overcome our blindness to the risen Christ in creation before us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, today, all over the world, people are celebrating Earth Day. And for my part, when I think about the Earth, I invariably think about my father. My father was and is a geologist and a great lover of creation. I think as a child it was even easier for me than it is for most children to think that my father was God because he taught me all about creation. He taught myself and my brothers all about the mountains and their formation, all about the seas and the continents and the stars and the sun and the moon and exactly what they were made of. He was the one that told me about granite and sandstone and slate and obsidian. And he would take us to all the glorious, gorgeous, natural wonders that he could think of. He would take me aside and show me a tiny garnet that had formed on top of a boulder on the tip of a mountain. Or how a perfectly round pothole had formed a perfectly round stone inside a slab of granite in the Shenandoah Valley. He talked about granite a lot because it was his personally favorite rock. And I heard about it so much that the first time I ever heard about somebody being taken for granted, <clears throat> I assumed it meant that they had been mistaken for a large gray rock. And I could see how that would be offensive. He took us to Assateague Island off the shore of Maryland and to Chincoteague Island off the shore of Virginia to see the wild ponies run. He took us to the beautiful quarries deep in the Maryland woods where the rainwaters had filled up the quarries and the water was so freezing and so deep that there was this added element of danger that seemed to add to the beauty even more. He introduced us to the breathtaking grandeur of the Appalachian Mountains and he made sure to tell us exactly how they were formed. Unlike the unfortunate student referred to in Al Gore's film An Inconvenient Truth, I knew for sure that the continents fit together like puzzle pieces by the time I was about five. He took us to the glorious beaches of the Maryland-Virginia countryside, and there were beaches that seemed almost magical. Rehoboth Beach had a ghostly line of lighthouses along the beach, and Bethany Beach had these incredibly huge waves and sort of scruffy sand dunes that I loved to scramble around in. We camped a lot. My father even liked to camp in the snow. And even if there was a furious storm brewing, he would take us to the beach. I began to get an impression of a glorious, gorgeous, seemingly endless abundance and a beautiful, fresh, cold, wild, limitless life. My father, the confirmed atheist, 
had accidentally grounded me in a deep spirituality because of his love of creation. My mother finished off the job by taking me to church when I was eight. But I felt my first stirrings of the holy as I walked through the tall trees on my way to a cold creek to fetch our food when we were on a camping trip in the mountains of New Hampshire. Surrounding me, singing along with me, lifting up my child's heart as I skipped along, I felt something as huge as the sun and as familiar as my own soul. I knew that God was right there, that God was all around me. Now, this still recurs for me every time I find myself walking down a wooded path with the birds singing and nature glorying around me, and I feel myself being fed by a great, roaring, pristine abundance, the air, the sun, the trees. As we talked with the bishop this past week, those of us who are clergy in Marin had to admit that the secular world is way ahead of us in stewardship of the earth and the awareness of the frailty of the planet and the vital importance of sustainability. But our bishop suggested that perhaps there was a place for us in this holy work. He urged us to open people's eyes to the holiness of creation and to help them to recognize the sacredness of our duty to make it holy work to tend and to be a steward to creation. And perhaps that can be our job as Christians in this post-Christian culture. In our reading of today, and almost every story of Jesus after the resurrection, Jesus is at first completely unrecognized. In the Road to Emmaus story, he walks right along with the disciples. He talks to them. They look at his face, and yet they take him for a stranger. In the story from the Gospel of of Luke, Jesus suddenly appears to them saying, Peace be unto you, and they think he's a ghost. In the appearance to Mary Magdalene, she has just come fresh from a conversation with two angels, and she sees some guy. And he says, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And she mistakes him for the gardener. How in the world could she fail to recognize him? He spoke to her. He looked at her. And in our gospel story today, after fishing all night and catching nothing, having lost their beloved teacher to a torturous death, another dawn was breaking for the disciples. Perhaps it was not unlike that first Easter dawn. A stranger is standing on the beach, and he calls out to the bedraggled disciples, Children, you have no fish, have you? And they don't recognize him. They take him for some anonymous fisherman, as Mary took him for some anonymous gardener. And we have mistaken our precious planet Earth for our own personal garden, our own personal harvest of fish. There is an unimaginable abundance in this world of ours, but alas, it is not infinite. Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John begins with unimaginable abundance. His wonderful miracle of turning amazing quantities of water into amazing quantities of very fine wine. And John's Gospel 
ends with this great miracle of abundance, the vast amount of fish that allow the befuddled disciples to at last recognize the risen Christ. I believe that we have to be the miracle that wakes up our own souls. Jesus has no other hands or feet than ours at this point. But he gave us a great roadmap. St. Francis took Jesus literally when he said, Go forth and preach the gospel to all creation. And so, St. Francis preached to the birds, to the rocks, to insects. He also took care of his fellow creatures. There's a story that he moved a little worm out of a path so that he wouldn't get stepped on. And we all know the story about his saving the life of the wolf who was going to be killed by the townspeople. Perhaps we should take Jesus literally as well when he says, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. Perhaps he wasn't talking about our concentrating on feeding ourselves and our fellow human beings. Perhaps he meant to feed all of creation and to care for all of creation. St. Francis also said, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And I believe it is this gospel of no words that we need to preach. This cruciform willingness to have less and to love more. To recognize the amazing extent to which we really are part of a whole. And what we do does make an enormous difference. Here's a quote from a theologian you are all very familiar with. Human beings are part of a whole called by us the universe, a part limited in time and space. However, they regard themselves, their ideas, and their feelings as separate and apart from the rest. It is something like an optical illusion in their consciousness. This illusion is sort of a prison. It restricts us to our personal aspirations and limits our effective life to a few people very close to us. Our task should be to free ourselves from this prison, opening up our circle of compassion in order to embrace all living creatures and all of nature and its beauty. Now that quote is from the writings of that wild eco-feminist Albert Einstein. In a really annoying twist of fate, I am now commuting for the first time in my life. Just as the severity of global warming has really hit my consciousness, I'm driving my vintage Volvo 35 miles every day to and from work. I am packing ever more carbon into the atmosphere to my great regret. There must be a reason this is happening to me. I have to assume that God is giving me some kind of wake-up call. I am staring creation right in the face and not seeing it. I'm living in that little bubble of illusion that what I do has only to do with me. Just as the disciples were unable to recognize the new creation, I apparently am unable to recognize the old creation, even as I drive across the beautiful waters and toward the sacred mountain. In our reading from Acts, we hear the beautiful story of Paul's road to Damascus experience. He had been a proud, pious Jewish man, well-versed in all the scriptures, utterly sure of himself. And in his great assurance, he became a leader in the persecution of those people who followed the way, as Christianity was called in early times. 
But on the road to Damascus, Paul had a profound experience of the risen Christ. In the middle of his commute, he fell flat on his face. His previous blindness turned to real blindness, and he had to continue being led by the hand, stumbling along. He kept going on his journey to Damascus, but in a very different way and for a very different reason. He went to find his teacher. Because we have not been able to recognize and treasure the glorious abundance that we have been gifted with, we are in danger of losing it. But who will be our teacher? Who will lift the scales from our own eyes? I believe our own lives must be the teacher. I believe the glory of nature must be our teacher. I believe our growing awareness of the harm that we're doing to our beautiful creation must be our teacher. And I believe God will surely open our eyes and God will surely help us to preach the wordless gospel and walk the sacred way of cherishing and protecting this unimaginably abundant and beautiful earth for ourselves, for each other, and for our children. Amen. listening to the sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907. Or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley, dot org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.